Hey, Jen. Yes, Joe? Do you know what I found on the beach the other day? What? I found four sand dollars. Get out. Yeah. And you know what's even cooler? What could be cooler than that? One of them could actually talk. Come on. Yeah, but you know what? Unfortunately, I couldn't understand what they were saying because the sand dollar didn't make any sense. Oh. Oh, That's terrible. Hey, Joe. Hey, Samantha. Do you know how whales pay their credit card bills? I don't think I know how whales pay their credit card bills. With sand dollars. Oh. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't guessed already, we're talking all about the lives of sand dollars. A really awesome sea urchin found along the Jersey Shore on this episode of Save Coast to Wildlife, the, the podcast. podcast. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds up in the sky. Sailing in the bay, what will we find today? talking about sand dollars tonight and there are many species of sand dollars found along the Jersey Shore and the world but the most common species to be discovered on ocean and sometimes bayside beaches along the Jersey Shore are the Atlantic or common sand dollar also known as sea cookies snapper biscuits sand cakes or my favorite pansy shells <laughs> I like the food thing. Yeah, I was thinking about naming my dog that, Pansy Shell. The the Atlantic or common sand dollar is native to the Northern Hemisphere. It's found in the North Pacific and Northwest Atlantic on the North American East Coast from New Jersey northward, as well as in Alaska, Siberia, British Columbia, and Japan. In fact, Samantha, weren't you in the West Coast and you found a sand dollar? Yeah, I found some gigantic sand dollars in Oregon. Do you know the name of the sand dollar you found in Oregon? I do not. Uh, can you guess? Definitely not the pansy sand dollar. <laughs> this one's pretty big. Well, our common sand dollar, or the Atlantic sand dollar, inhabits isolated areas on sandy bottoms below the low tide level down to a depth of about 5,000 feet or 1,500 meters. Wow. So that's really deep. Do you guys know that? I did not know that. Until yeah. I was an adult, I didn't even know it was a real thing. Yeah, it is. A lot of people think they're, like, fake. Yeah. A lot of people think like they don't know what they are, right? Well, they're so pretty. They really are. Yeah. Sometimes, especially in south trees like Cape May, you may encounter another species of sand dollar known as the keyhole sand dollar. That's the one that they could go to... Um, to, uh, what am I thinking of? Like when you're on vacation, you visit uh, shops, tourist shops, gift shops. That's what I'm thinking of, gift shops. You'd f- you might want to purchase a sand dollar, and the most common types of sand dollars you're going to find in gift shops are those keyhole sand dollars. 
Like the name implies, the species has several distinctive keyhole-shaped holes toward the end of their shell or skeleton, but it's really more common the farther south you go, like in the uh, Carolinas and even on Florida. Yeah, they always have like a beach scene painted on them. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true, right. So both, both species of sand dollars are found on either side of the high tide or low tide areas of a beach after a storm, and that's really the best time to start looking for sand dollars. A lot of people ask me, hey, Joe, First of all, you got a really cute dog named Pansy Shell. <laughs> and second of all, where can I get, where can I find a sand dollar? You found four sand dollars. Where can I get a sand dollar? And you really got to look after a storm. That's really the best time. Winter is really the best time to look for sand dollars. Not so much during the summertime, because you know what happens in the summertime? They rake the beaches with these large mechanical machines. So it's really hard to find sometimes sand dollars when uh, after they rake those beaches. Where do they go? Uh, they go in those big contraptions and get trashed mm -hmm. with all the other trash, all the plastic trash, all the microplastics. That's another podcast. Yeah. But anyway, it's very exciting. We're, we're joined tonight by our good friend, Elise Farnsworth, the famous musician in Asbury Park. Hey, and she's agreed to, she's written much of the music you hear on the podcast uh, tonight and uh, in past episodes and in future episodes as well, too. And so she has agreed to play some music for us tonight during this podcast. In fact, the song you just heard was written by Elise Farnsworth. What was the name of that song? It's called Pixie Dust. Nice. And so now you're going to play some uh, music for us. Absolutely. Background music. So the background music you hear is from Elise Farnsworth. So, uh, yeah, sand dollars, getting back to sand dollars, uh, unfortunately, as they try to remove the trash from the beach, they are also removing really cool natural beach finds, like sand dollars. And that's not to say that you can't find a sand dollar on a summer beach, but the probability of finding one rises during the off-season, like right now in the wintertime. So what are sand dollars? Anybody know what sand dollars are? They're definitely animals. Yes, yeah, sand dollars are animals. They are actually sea urchins. That's right. They're related to sea stars and purple sea urchins, the most common sea urchin along the Jersey Shore. Sand dollars have a round-shaped body that is usually up to three inches wide. And the sand dollar is a type of sea urchin that appears really quite different from its rounder, spinier cousins. But sea urchins and living sand dollars have more in common than you might realize. Here's a fancy word for you. Maybe, Samantha, you could help me with this word. Uh-oh. It's this word right here. <laughs> Echinoderms. Yeah, echinoderms. Very cool. So did you know echinoderms are a group of sea-dwelling invertebrate species characterized by tube-like feet, spiny skin, and equal size or well-proportioned bodies, just like me, well-proportioned body. In addition to sand dollars and sea urchins, echiderms also include sea stars and sea cucumbers. Anybody ever see a sea cucumber before? I'm not talking about, like, you know, what goes in the bedroom. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> How did they get their name? How did these sand dollars get their name, Jen? I don't know. Do they look like money or something? They're not money. You know, you can't use them to buy anything. No. So why are they called sand dollars or dollars? Well, people thought the skeleton remains resembled silver coin currency, which is how the name sand dollar came about. That makes sense. This was probably before Prohibition when people drank a lot, I think. I know, and so, you know, you go on the beach all drunk and inebriated, and you're saying, oh, wow, yeah. I just found a dollar. But no, it was 
It's a sea urchin. So what what is the what's the star shape on the sand dollar skeleton mean? Well, on the upper half of the sand dollar's body, spines also serve as gills. That's where they breathe over there on that really pretty star shape. That's their gills. And guess what? These gills bulge from the skeleton in a pattern often resembling a five-petaled flower. The gills allow water to enter their vascular system to keep the critter happy and healthy. And so when you find a sand dollar, uh, are, you're really finding a skeleton. People don't realize that. First of all, people think when they find a sand dollar, it's the exoskeleton, but it's really not the exoskeleton. It is a skeleton or an endoskeleton. So what we know as a sand dollar are actually the skeletons from an animal living inside. We call the skeleton of dead uh, sand dollars tests, T-E-S-T-S, tests. You're looking at me kind of weird, Jen. Like this I just said something perverted. Fascinated. Yeah. So bright white skeletons are visible only after bleaching in the sun on a beach for a while. And when alive, did you know this? Sand dollars don't look like sand dollars. Sand dollar skeletons are covered with small brown or sometimes tan fuzzy spines that give them a velvety, velvety, velvet cheese. Velvet appearance. Just like we have skin to cover our skeletons, sand dollars have fuzzy spines to cover their skeleton. I know. I just Googled it because I, I didn't, honestly didn't know. And you didn't believe me. I didn't. Yeah. And they're beautiful. Yeah, they really are. They really wow. are beautiful. Hence the reason why we do not call a sand dollar an exoskeleton. Their skeleton is protected by an outer covering just like people. Imagine if we had to go life without any skin. Pretty gross, right? Gross. Yeah. So uh, we, but we call the skeleton of a sand dollar an endoskeleton because it lies underneath the sand dollar spines and skin, and it's made of fused calcium carbonate plates, not bones like people have. Though our bones are made from calcium as well, too. So it's, we really share something. We, people don't realize that we share something with lots of these shells and critters that live in the ocean. The shells of, like, clams and the shells of sand dollars. A key ingredient is that is calcium. And a key ingredient in our bones is calcium. Huh. Calcium, yeah. Isn't that pretty amazing? Now, of course, where does those critters get their calcium from? We get it from sometimes drinking milk, though I'm a vegan. I don't drink milk. Um, I like uh, almond milk, which tastes really, really good. Um, but I get my calcium, because I'm a vegan, from um, eating green leafy vegetables. Yes. So where would they get their calcium from? Do they eat, like, kelp and stuff? That's a really good guess. <laughs> That's a really good guess. But it's wrong, is it? Well, no, that's not totally wrong. I mean, they take in plankton, and some of that plankton is little bits of seaweed and stuff. And, and yeah, they get that. They get that from the minerals that's in the water. There is calcium in the, in the water and melt. Uh, and they get that from the minerals they take in. So, yeah, that's not totally wrong. Um, so has anyone ever found a live sand dollar before? I have. You have? That's exciting, Samantha. Where have you found a live sand dollar? Well, when I was dollar? in Oregon, there were a bunch of fuzzy ones all over the beach, and so I threw them back in. Ah, uh, that's great. Were you, now, you, were you saying before you're not allowed to take live sand dollars? Yeah, I think it's illegal to take the live ones. Is that just in Oregon, or is that in New Jersey as well, too? Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either as well, I just too. I not take any live animals from New Jersey That's a general, very good point. So. You should never really take any live animals, including sand dollars. Take a picture, put it back in the water. 
And you can usually tell the difference. Like they're very fuzzy when they're yeah, alive, absolutely. But when they're dead, they're, they look bony. These little small fuzzy spines on a sand dollar. Do you ladies know this? That ha- that helps them to move around on the bottom of the ocean looking for food, right? So these sand dollars, when you find them, again, that's the skeleton. But at one point in time, that's a living thing. It was moving, it was breathing, it was feeding. And so when you find a sand dollar, that's just a skeleton of it. That's not really what it looked like when it was living. In quiet bay waters, these little flattened animals stand on end, partially buried in the sand. When waters are rough, like in the ocean, sand dollars hold their own by lying flat or burrowing in the sand. In fast-moving waters, adults also fight the currents by growing heavier skeletons. Sometimes you might find a little thick sand dollar, and that's because they are probably in rough, fast-moving waters for most of their life. And young sand dollars swallow heavy sand grains to weigh themselves down. So sand dollars actually live in groups and they sort of bury themselves, partially at least, into the sand um, and they feed. Anybody know what they feed on? Yeah, algae and plankton. Ah, yeah, they love zooplankton. Plankton is composed of the phytoplankton, the plants of the sea, and the zooplankton, which are typically the tiny animals found near the surface in aquatic environments. The sand dollar is one of the most specialized sea urchins around. All their features are adapted for burrowing, and they live just beneath the sand, either flat or at an angle. At an angle, they keep the edge facing oncoming currents, presumably to catch their food. Sand dollar will and can capture plankton with their tiny spines on their body. A tiny teepee-shaped cone of spines bunched up on the sand dollar's body marks a spot where captive amphipods or crab larvae are being held for transport to the mouth. But the best way sand dollars can capture their food is with their hair. Can you guys capture your food with your hair? Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, look at the bottom. My hair gets captured in my food. (laughs) Do you have a beard? (laughs) Look at the bottom of a sand dollar, and you'll find a mouth-like opening. It's here where that small hair-like cilia helps to move food toward the central located mouth on the underside of the skeleton. Five sets of teeth. How many sets of teeth do you have? I don't think it's five. And uh, sieve plates inside the mouth are jointly called called Aristotle's lantern. Isn't that a cool name for a mouth? Wow. Aristotle's lantern. Why? Yeah. (laughs) Because Aristotle's ancient and medieval texts texts, written texts, that describes the structure of sand dollars are part of the first great zoology textbook written in the 1500s called The History of Animals. The five volumes of natural history of animals cover more than Four, uh, over close to 5,000 pages, 4,500 pages. Wow. That's a lot, right? It's a lot of information. So, by the way, if you want to purchase a copy of the first volume, which features Aristotle, it's going to cost you over $100 on Amazon if you wanted to buy one. Wow. That's the hard copy version. For a, a paperback, it's about half that price. And by the way, if you pick up a sand dollar test, which is the skeleton, and shake it gently, you may hear the pieces of the mouth rattling inside. Can we hear that now maybe on your sand dollar? No, I don't hear anything. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Sorry. (laughs) I tried. Yeah. Uh, Hey, so how does a sand dollar poop? 
by the way, really good music, Elise. Yeah. Really nice. good. Um, How does the sand dollar poop? That is one of life's Socrates Victor. <laughs> that's a really, that's what was that again? It's Socrates Victor. Yeah, that's a good guess. But you had really good guesses. Well, the sand dollar's anus is located at the rear of the animal, found in the edge of the test or skeleton, below the single vertical line extending from the center of the star. Can you point that out to everybody? Oh, this way, this is a podcast, not TV. How how do sand dollars have sex? How do they reproduce? (laughs) What? You got to talk about it. You got to talk about this. So how does sand dollar reproduce? I can't even guess. Well, okay, so if you were a sand dollar, where would the little penis come out? From Miss Aristotle's lantern? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so another good guess, Jen, but unfortunately, uh, first of all, there's male and female sand dollars. This is also fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You don't think about it. Yeah, there's male and female sand dollars. But can you tell them apart from the outside at least? I don't think. No, you really can't tell. They both have flowers. It's true. Um, you can't tell them from the outside. It's difficult to tell which which is who, who is which. So reproduction is external, which I think is actually the best way to have sex, right? So it's accomplished by sand dollars releasing eggs and sperm into the water. Imagine if sex for humans was external. Imagine if it's like somebody, some guy just gave you like a container of sperm. And oh, you gave him like a container of eggs. <laughs> and you just gave him a container of eggs. And then you just mixed it all together. And then in nine months, you had a baby. Wouldn't life be simpler? Well, that's kind of what happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, Texas Tester babies. <laughs> yeah, I just think life would be better for everybody if, if all sex was external, external sex, like sand dollars. Sand dollars spawn during the spring, usually from May to July. I know uh, Jen does like to swim in water where there is lots of sperm around. Yes, I've yeah. been known to. Especially horseshoe crab sperm. Yes. Yeah, that is true. That is true, ladies and gentlemen. give birth to horseshoe crab. Yeah, so maybe you might accidentally give birth to a sand dollar if you go in May, between May and July, in the ocean. Try your luck. We'll see. Yeah. That'd be really cool, by the way. Sand dollars generally live together in large, dense colonies, dense groups, so it's relatively easy for the eggs to get fertilized. One square meter of sand, check this out, one square meter of sand can be covered with more than 600 sand dollars. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I would love to see that. Yeah. The fertilized eggs are yellow in color and will develop into tiny larvae, which feed and move you using their cilia. After several weeks, the larvae settles to the bottom where it metamorphosizes. I love that word, yeah. Sand dollars undergo a metamorphosis, and their larvae look nothing like the adults. The form that first hatches from the eggs are bilaterally symmetrical and free-swimming drifting with the plankton. At this stage, they have several long arms which are believed to funnel food particles into the central mouth. They eventually settle down and develop into a more sand dollar-like shape, boys and girls. Wow. How long can sand dollars live? Really good question. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, sand dollars can survive six to ten years in the wild. Though in some tropical waters, boys and girls, Mm -hmm. certain sand dollars can live up to 160 years. Wow. Yeah, not not around here, though. Do they stay the same size or do they keep growing? That's a really good question because um, if we were talking about fish, do fish ever stop growing? 
No, they keep on growing, though the growth rate slows down as they get older. But that's why you get record sizes of fish. With sand dollars, I think they stop growing at a certain point. That's my guess. Yeah. You never see, like, massive... Yeah, giant sand dollar. Like a six-foot sand dollar. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I feel like when they get to a certain size, they're easier to be eaten by predators. So they can't really hide that well. That's true. Good point, Samantha. So what eats a sand dollar? Yeah, I was going to say, aren't they just a giant, like, aren't they super bony? And what would eat them? Yeah. Uh, Well, that's true. Wow, Jen, you're really on target tonight. (laughs) While few predators favor sand dollars because they're mostly all shell with little meat or nutritional value. Sounds like an old boyfriend of mine. There are exceptions. (laughs) There are exceptions. Winter flounder, sea stars, skates, hermit crabs, moon snails, octopus, or octopi. But their number one predator is... Humans? Gulls. Gulls. Gulls will carry their sand dollars. By the way, really good job, Elise, on that. That was good. Gulls will carry the sand dollars in their mouths and smash their bodies on rocks and other sharp objects. Typically, the gulls eat adult sand dollars, but gulls can also eat the larvae of the sand dollars. Yum. Yeah, yeah. So what are some of the threats to sand dollars along the Jersey Shore? Anybody? Apparently gulls. Yeah, gulls. (laughs) Why our sand dollar population along the Jersey Shore is not currently threatened or endangered, that's a very good thing. There are still some important threats to sand dollars. Water pollution is a major threat, especially from oil spills. But the biggest threat to sand dollars is from the selling of sand dollar skeletons on the internet or at gift shops. So, you know, people just go crazy, right? People love sand dollars. They want to have millions of sand dollars. And so they're just going to buy sand dollars. And so there's actually a really nice lucrative economy of people grabbing sand dollars, selling them, and people buying them. Yeah. So sand dollar tests, which are the skeletons, are sold in uh, shell shops. Try to say it's, uh, that seven times right. fast. Or on the internet for a decorative uh, shell shop. Uh, it sounds like something dirty. Shell shop. And on the internet for decorative purposes or souvenirs. And often with a card or inscription re- referencing the legend of the sand dollar. Yes. Other threats for sand dollars include destructive fishing practices, usually bottom trolling. Everybody knows what bottom trolling is, right? Maybe some of our listeners don't, Joe. Oh, that's a good point, Jim. Wow, you're just really on target tonight, aren't you? Yeah. So that's true. So bottom trolling is where you take a really huge net and you drag it along the bottom of a bay or ocean or some water body. Typically, you're doing this to get maybe scallops or flounder or something. But in the process, you might be also picking up lots of sand dollars. So bottom trawling is very destructive. It's one of the really destructive practices of fishing. It destroys not only sand dollars, but also coral reefs as well, too. And you get a lot of bycatch in that. Fishermen like it because it's easy, but uh, it's something that really should be regulated more, I think. I don't know. What do I know? I'm crazy. But scientists really do not have sufficient data to determine population trends of sand dollars. Because we don't eat sand dollars, there's really not good population studies or population information about sand dollars. So we really don't know along the Jersey Shore how well our population of sand dollars are because it's not a commercial species. 
And that's true for a lot of species. We really don't have good population data for a lot of stuff that doesn't get eaten by people, like rib mussels. We really don't know what the population of rib mussels are along the Jersey Shore. Yet all these species are really, really important to have. You're not going to have a healthy ecosystem unless you have rib mussels, sand dollars, a whole bunch of biodiversity. And so maybe it's about time we really took these species seriously and did some good science to find out how they survive in our waters and what their population is like. I don't know. I'm just saying, what do I care, right? What do I know? Right. I think you know a lot. (laughs) Well, that's all the time we have to chat about sand dollars, boys and girls. We love sand dollars at Safe Coast Wildlife, and we hope you do too. Thanks to everyone out there who took some time out of their busy life to listen to our podcast. We are so grateful that you did. And I was joined tonight by my really good friends. Jen. And Samantha. And Elise. Thank you all. I love you so much. I'm Joe Reynolds, Executive Director of Safe Coastal Wildlife, an environmental nonprofit dedicated to educating people about the preservation and protection of coastal wildlife along the Jersey Shore. You can find out more about Save Coastal Wildlife at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. That's www.savecoastalwildlife.org. And until next time, farewell from the world-famous Jersey Shore. And Remember to be kind not only to people, but to animals as well. And now it's time, boys and girls, for your sing-along. Check.